On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time Imon Irti Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashi Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalam again Omgrev, Orkorn Rachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello, you're welcome to the left wing. Well, the 2022 Women's Six Nations starts this weekend with Wales first up for Ireland at the RDS on Saturday. A lot has happened in Irish women's rugby in the last six months. There was the fallout from the failure to qualify from the World Cup, the letter to the government from a group of former and current players, the review, the recommendations, the retirements, a new head coach, a new assistant coach, a new captain, and that still doesn't cover it all. Now, joining me, Sinead Kassan, on today's podcast is former Ireland prop Lindsay Pete and Irish independent rugby writer Keen Tracy. Lindsay, to you first, welcome on board because you'll also have a column every Saturday in the Irish Independent during the Women's Six Nations. Now, you announced your retirement officially in January. What's it like not preparing for a Six Nations for the first time in, what, six years? I'll hit you with the honesty card, Sinead. It's tough. The the closer it gets to game time now, like I'm thinking of the lads who are in the match day, well, 25 have been named, but 23 and you're in camp and, you know, all outside noise is blocked off. The, we batten down the hatches and we're getting ready for the opposition and you start to as you get closer, I certainly would have been much more getting into my routine and getting ready and especially, you know, starting to be ready and, and doing video and preparing. So to not have that and kind of visualise what the lads are going through, um, I'm missing it. I really am missing it. And I think it'll be a very, very emotional day for me on Saturday for many reasons, considering what we've been through um, the recommendations, um, not qualifying and the start of what we envisage being a, a new era and I see the sunshine outside and all I want is the sunshine and on Saturday to start a glorious new era of very successful rugby for the Irish women's 15s. What do you miss the most and what do you not miss? I miss camp, I miss the environment that's set up that you're all together hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder um, with the same goal of representing Ireland and making history and winning games and putting ourselves on the map and doing that jersey and that crest proud and your family and everything else and the build up and the text messages and seeing your family after the game and a good hit and scoring a try and a good tackle and winning a line out and winning a scrum and all those adrenaline pumping moments that um, I lived off for 20 plus years no more 
than within the rugby environment. So I miss that part. I really miss that part. Um, what I don't miss is probably the stress and everything I have to juggle to be that. Um, and yeah, that's probably the only the only bit. But yeah, it's it's been such an honour and privilege and the time was right. And I'm excited to see a new brand and a new generation. And that's the circle of life, really, isn't it? That you retire and someone else fills your boots. And it's never easy. But um, yeah, now I take from the stand. I'll be supporting the girls 100%. And I wish them every success on Saturday and onwards throughout the whole tournament. Absolutely. It was our privilege watching you, Lindsay, as well. Now, it has been a turbulent time, though, as well, hasn't it, in Irish women's rugby, with everything that's gone on in the past six months. But it's not flick of the switch stuff either, is it? You know, is this going to be a very challenging Six Nations for this Irish team? Of course it is. Anybody who's an athlete or a coach, we're not naive. I'm not naive to sit here um, and chat all things rugby to know that we've spoken about the circle of life and for new players, no more than I was in 2015, you have to start somewhere. I had not got one clue what I was doing back then, you know, and then to walk away. I don't believe that. Ah, listen, I played a good game. (laughs) I played a good game, but um, I learned on the job and, and this is the slate is clean. Um, I think what we need to do is by the sounds of it and what I've heard and through interviews reading from Greg McWilliams, there's a DNA. He wants a style of play. He wants it exciting. He wants a brand of rugby. Now to have an identity, that's a starting point. That's excellent. And I'm excited. He wants a product. That's another bit we need for, for women's rugby to have an identity, be a product, keep pushing the game because this is now the first standalone window. We then have the, the global calendar in 2023, which would accelerate. We have the World Cup in between that. And then we look towards the, the World Cup in, in 2025. So the next period of time, this four years that he has to work with, to have a DNA and a brand and giving the players permission to play that brand. We're just going to use these games, I would feel, at, at starting on a baseline and just get out there and experiment and play and learn. We make mistakes, we learn, we move on, we improve. And we're starting from the ground up. And I think um, the players just need to give permission to play that um, and keep working on it and develop that over the four years. But it's going to take time. Like, it's not too far ago. If we look at the men's, Joe Smith walked away after a very successful, you know, milestones made within his tenure. And we're kind of worrying about the stutter start that was under um, Andy Farrell and now look at us. You know, uh, win the triple crown was open a very, very flamboyant and you know really fantastic French team to watch who were worthy champions and Grand Slam winners, and we're playing a brand of rugby that he's instilled, and that took time. So these players and this team and this coaching staff are no different, um, and all we do want is success for them after a turbulent time, but we also have to be patient as the day. So um, it's I think, a hard thing being patient, though, Lindsay, isn't it? Really, oh, and. Patient is my virtue, let me no, tell you. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Keen, um, you know, what can we expect? You were in on that Greg McWilliams press conference at the start of the week. What kind of vibes are you getting? Did he talk a good game in terms of talking about that brand of exciting, vibrant rugby as well? Yeah, he did, uh, Sinead. It was it was all very positive, um, if we're being honest. Um, you know, I'd asked a couple of questions about the... The recommendations, Lindsay touched on them there. And, you know, from my point of view, I don't know if you agree, Lindsay, like the recommendations that were laid out, I would have thought were fairly basic, you know, requirements of any high performance unit. 
Um, so I asked, you know, Greg McWilliams coming in, was he surprised maybe? But look, his glass is definitely half full and he didn't really want to go down, you know, what was going on in the past. So he's definitely seen this as a clean slate. Um, it was all very positive. I mean, he had Nicola Friday sat next to him, who was just named captain as well. So that that is probably the right way to go about it. Um I think there's probably a balance between not ignoring what has gone on in the past either, because if we want to move forward, then we have to learn the lessons of the past. And that's why the likes of Lindsay and the other girls who were so brave to stand up and send in those letters and stuff. That's why we have to learn from them. We can't just, you know, this is a new slate. You have to kind of move on from what's gone on in the past. So I think Greg Mike Williams will come in and do a really good job. He's obviously gone away to America over the last few years and honed his experience even more, but crucially, he has a connection to the women's game in this country. He was part of like the, the best days in women's rugby that we've seen, which culminated in the Grand Slam in 2013. So he knows what it's about. I don't think he's underestimating this, the scale of the job that he has in his hands. Um, I think a couple of the issues still remain, which I'm sure we'll get into in terms of juggling the sevens and things like that. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he goes about planning for that, knowing that come the latter stages of the Six Nations, he's going to be without some of his key players. So it's tricky. But, you know, we look at the team that he, the first team that he's named and there's so much excitement, there's so much talent. And I suppose from from my point of view, it's great to actually be talking about women's rugby positively again, because, you know, like Lindsay was inside, like enduring like on, uh, kind of all the negativity. And unfortunately, we were the ones on the outside who had to talk about it, you know, trying to get women's rugby into the place where it should be. So. I'm excited. Um, I'll be covering it, Sinead, like yourself, for the next few weeks. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, a lot of these new girls stand up to the plate. So it's a huge opportunity for them. And like Lindsay said, that this, the slate has been wiped, like, wiped clean. OK, let's de-wipe uh, the slate for a second and just go back, Lindsay. Akeen m- mentioned it there. You were obviously in that position of being part of the player representative group. How tough was that time, Lindsay? It's always tough going over uh, things you feel were maybe issues that had an impact. And I think, let me be clear, there's probably not one definitive moment that caused us not to qualify. Um, You know, we're still heartbroken with that. There'll be players included in that squad, you know, that will take to the field on Saturday who would have endured that. I think what we need to do now is allow these players to play, allow Greg to coach. And like Keane said, you are right. You know, in any realm of life, when you make mistakes, they have to be there. You don't want to dwell on them. Like history is there for a reason. Um, we don't want to dwell in the past. We want to move forward in a positive. But the thing is, they have to be the undertone to remind us where we need to strive to. You know, they are basic requirements to, and they've, those basic requirements should have been there. But sometimes high performance, if there's no experience there, you don't know what high performance is sometimes. So there's loads of facilities for high performance, but our amateur program can require different, I suppose, different areas to be concentrated on to facilitate the players reaching their 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 um full potential so i think for now we need to let the them play um but not forgetting you know the recommendations and that will be the next big step is the implementation plan and not only the implementation plan that it's you know set in stone but that it's the right people the most experienced people in the job working with female amateur players um and making sure that they're they're in a high performance environment and at all times that's reviewed and not just left and we're um obviously there's another review to come from a grassroots level because obviously we need a player pool exactly like we've seen the english you know over years that there's a constant stream of players coming in and pushing standards and then they're bloated as well so um 
it's tough. It's tough being a representative of a group that's with such an important topic, with such important outcomes that will impact, you know, the programme, its longevity, its success, its viability. Um, all we want is for Ireland to be world class and be rubbing shoulders and taking scalps off the French and the English who sit pretty at world rankings at number one. Um, that's not a crime, I don't think, but sometimes it's it's hard to have those difficult conversations. And we did. And obviously, we're very welcoming that the fact that the RVU have taken all recommendations on board. And, and we would hope that the implementation plan, as Kevin Potts has set that standards, that, you know, they'll be implemented with the, you know, they'll be the highest quality. And uh, hopefully it'll be just successful days here on in. But we can't forget, you know, you can't just right the wrongs, we have to keep reviewing and we have to keep pushing and we have to keep maintaining the standards um, that we want to set. Just, just on that, Lindsay, I think like for me, one of the, like I was in on that interview with Kevin Potts as well and I thought he struck a lot of, you know, good chords and obviously, you know, he's come in now as the new CEO of the IRFU and I think, you know, the messaging he put out there I thought, thought was really positive as well but for me, having seen yourself and Kira and Claire having signed off, you know, essentially that, you know, we're encouraged by what we see, that to me felt telling because you're kind of out of the game now. It's not that you don't have any skin in it, but I just felt like from the outside looking in that if you had had any concerns, I just couldn't have seen you put out that lettered statement and saying that, you know, we're encouraged by what the IRFU were going to do. Was that a fair reading of it, that if he had still had concerns, he wouldn't have kind of put that out? We're only on step one. You know, mm. we've only step one is the recommendations and the, the results of the review that Amanda Bennett and her team at Fair Play undertook. And we were very trusting in Amanda and we, you know, being one of the participants of their the review process and, um, you know, given the information in for the review, um, I thought they did an exemplary job. So we trusted their recommendations. And as I said, the first step was the acceptance of all recommendations. So that's a positive start. Um, this is going to be a step-by-step process. So yes, on the initial you know, step and the communication that we've had with the RFU and the, the collaborative work we've done so far has been hugely positive. And so far for that step and that step alone, we're very positive. But there's still a huge amount of work to, to do with this. Um, and you know, we talk about leaving a legacy um, that can be on, on the pitch. And you know, we want we want to make sure the standards continue to be up because the acceleration, the rate that this, the get the women's game is, is taken. Like the trajectory is just, is unbelievable. And we don't want to be left behind on any level. Like the players don't deserve that. And we want to have the successful days back there. And, and I do think it's a positive step with the recommendations. And like you've said, Greg McWilliams is a man who's glass half full. And I think the culture part and the buy-in and the treatment of the players that he's endured, which are, players who were hurt and that he's come in and kind of maybe wrapped his arms around, given a big hug, reassured them that it's going to be okay and we'll start again and, you know, we can get this right, you know, so that's the positive and, and yeah, you're right, that is the stance, but it's only step one, you know, we, we want to see a step-by-step process and I, I am very, very confident uh, from our interaction with Kevin and anyone else on that um, that it'll continue to do so, he's a good man. Yeah, we might come back to you on that point of any fear about being left behind, actually, Lindsay, uh, just a little later. But uh, just get on to the team to play Wales, obviously, was named today. Um, a few surprises in there, Lindsay. The debutant, uh, Avian Riley, starts at scrum half. Nicole Cronin comes in at out half. So Stacey Flood moves to centre. Um, no Bavian Parsons, um, our star player, really. She's on the bench and Lucy Mulhall starts on the wing. Um for many supporters going to the RDS on Saturday, they'll want to go and see Bavian Parsons playing. 
They will, and I'm not sure why she's on the bench, whether it's a management issue for injuries. Obviously, she's, you know, her most recent tournaments in Spain where the lads brought home medals for the first time was exceptional. And she, um, you know, we were used to seeing Amy Lee Murphy-Crow light up the world stage on the seventh series and now uh, take a bow, Faven Parsons, because she did the same and she was exemplary and she's just only going to get better. So I don't know whether that's a management thing with some tournaments coming up for the sevens. It is a World Cup year for them. So as I said, I don't know whether that's a management issue, but um, thankfully she's in the squad at least. But, you know, my thing would be to start her. Um, I don't know how training's going. Um, and I think he is a man from what it sounds will go on form. You know, he's he's done that with, you know, as a wider Six Nations squad, he's eliminated players, as he said, based on form. So again... I can't answer that, but I am as surprised as you are, to be honest. But imagine now we have Wales to the Kosh and to the fore and you come on and you have to now deal with David yes. Parsons coming down the wing. So might be a bad uh, impact player coming off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. And she scored two tries. She should have got a hat-trick really against them last year. Um, Adele McMahon has been named in the back row to play Wales and I caught up with her after the team was announced just to see what it's like in the Ireland camp as they count down to their Six Nations opener. Camp's going well. Um, it's quite exciting. Um, it's been a very quick three weeks. I'm still kind of, you know, pinching myself that the Six Nations is finally coming around after um, seeing all the men's rounds kick off. Um, we've got some, we've an, an exciting team lined out for for this first game off. And um, it's been my first Six Nations in a, in a while. Um, I think 2020 was the last time I lined out and I missed the the rejig fixture last year through injury. So like personally, I'm just, absolutely buzzing to get back on the pitch um, and yeah so it's it's going well yeah what can we expect from this team on Saturday um, like the pack I suppose you know we've got a, a mixture of experience a few people that played in the from the RDS so like we're going to continue that contingency there and we've got a mix of uh, new players in but as a, a squad and all like we've got lightning uh, quick backs, we've got very skillful backs and then some ball playing forwards. Um, it's going to be fierce. It's definitely going to be feisty as well uh, for our first first game. And I think we're just trying to prove a point that we, you know, we should be going to New Zealand and we're not. And um, that's definitely at the forefront uh, for us. Yeah, is that still in your minds? You'll be the only team in the Women's Six Nations who won't also be preparing for the World Cup. Is that still very much a kind of a sore point, Adele? Um, like, not really. Like, we, you know, it, it's happened. And it, like, you know, it, it, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't great. But we've definitely moved on as a squad. And we're almost using that to fuel our fire because we have a big, big uh, point to prove. Like, every team we're playing is going. So we want to show that, you know, we're just as good. We should be going. And um, if anything, that that is certainly fueling our fire to perform well in the Six Nations. Yeah, it has been a very challenging five or six months for Irish women's rugby. What has it been like for you through it all, Adele, as a player? Getting back into to game straight away was a, a big thing for me to shift focus. Um, obviously, you know, process what has happened. But look, like, it, it's life and you know, I think we've learned a lot from from where we've been. You know, you don't get into professional or be an elite athlete if you're not willing to take the adversity. And I certainly think every player has come out better the other side. Um, challenging few months, but, you know, it that's in the past now and really looking forward to getting going. And like I said, proving a point to everybody. Yeah. Did you kind of come together as a group since you've come into camp? Did you discuss things, everything that happened between the World Cup failure, the, the letter, the recommendations, the review? Did you openly discuss it all so that it will be better for you all in the future? 
Um, for this group, no, like, you know, we've, we've, we've already previously kind of dealt with that, you know, back in November. So this is a fresh new squad. Um, you know, you know, the past, like it's in the past now and, and we can't keep dwelling on where we had been. Uh, like I said, it, it has been sorted, let's say by November's, uh, we've played our two games for the RDS. We, you know, had a successful series and this is a fresh new looking squad. So, um, in terms of that, like it's, it's looking forward now. So Greg McWilliams is the new head coach. Neve Briggs is the assistant coach. What are they doing that's different to Dell? Uh, Greg is, um, he's a good character. And like, you know, Briggs has always been so regiment on her rugby, like just even watching her play, playing with her then when I came into camp my first time. And now for her to be coaching, she she really knows her rugby. Like she's um, like skill, skill, skills, detail is excellent. Greg is... Um, you know, he's big on culture and that's definitely been a huge, huge change coming in with a lot of contact time together. It's been a quick three weeks, but I don't think we've left each other's sides for the last three weeks that we've been in. So, you know, it's a, a good, a good culture has been brought in um, with the two of those. Now, you had a smile on your face, even as soon as I mentioned Greg McWilliams there. So do you feel what he's doing? Is he bringing the squad closer together? Do you feel do you feel you're closer together now? Yeah, well, definitely, like we're, you know, the detail, even just our sessions the last since we came into camp, uh, you know, hammering home the detail so that we're all very comfortable when we get on the pitch that we're, you know, playing with excitement. We, we know where we're going, but we're also looking up and taking those opportunities. So just kind of being expansive and, and you know, being allowed to play, I guess, um, to what we see. So as we mentioned earlier, every other team in the Six Nations is building towards uh, the World Cup later this year. So what are your aims going into the Six Nations? Um, I suppose, like I said, prove a point. Like we don't want to be, you know, finishing last. Like that's certainly not um, where we think we should be finishing. So is that a fear you know, of yours that that could happen, Adele? No, but I think that's what the media is saying. That's what people are saying on the outside that if you were to think logically, we're the only team that haven't qualified. So technically we should finish us. And I certainly don't think that, um, you know, each home game we should be targeting to win. That's always been our aim. Um, you know, we've, I hear the, the ticket sales are going excellent for the RDS and going down to Cork. It's brilliant to play there for the Interpros and up in Belfast as well. So, you know, we want to be targeting those home games as our win. And then when we come to face England and France away, you know, that'll be a bit of a challenge for us, but it'll be excellent to see where we're at um, and where we're holding up to, like, you know, England, um, t- number one team in the world at the moment. So we want to see where we are in comparison to that. To that. So, yeah, three home games is what, you know, I certainly would be aiming for. And of course, that starts with Wales um, at the RDS on Saturday. Now, Ireland thrashed car- uh, Wales 45-0 uh, last year. Is it going to be as straightforward as that this year? Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how Wales have gelled together. I know they've been in camp a lot more than usual. Um, how quickly, you know, to reap the benefits of that, I'm not sure. Um, but I certainly would be hoping to, to, to start with that, that, uh, confidence going into Wales again and that, you know, we should, we should be fine. Um, yeah, like I, I was say we can't put on a score like that again. Absolutely.
So Adele thinks the Irish team have a point to prove and maybe they're building that siege mentality by saying that it's been said out there that Ireland could finish uh, last in this uh, Six Nations. Wales have their pro contracts, Lindsay, now as well for the 15s players. As I mentioned earlier, Ireland beat them 45-0 in Cardiff last year. This is a huge team for all the other, a huge year for the all all the other teams uh, with the World Cup coming up. But as you mentioned earlier, is there a fear that Ireland could fall further behind in this Six Nations? No, I ho- well, I hope for Edel, she that's not the mantra in, in camp. What I do like is what I, is the it is agreeing with the, the kind of perception that I've gotten that Greg has really focused on culture and put that big arm around the lads. And they've give, he's given them a clear, he's given them clear detail. She was very clear on that point. And he's also given the license to play. So he's happy players players who know what they're doing and players with the license say go and play rugby it's a simple game so I think that will stand to them um I think they just have to be wary to go out and play I don't think we can envisage what the results will be because again we don't know how like teams haven't had test matches in two years they are building towards the world cup but they also might use this window to blood new camps and finalize their world cup teams going into New Zealand obviously they'll have summer tests as well before they go into that but um you know, if teams have any questions or there's injuries, because I know with uh, Caroline Bougiard and Safian Dye, as far as I know, will miss the first three rounds of France. So there's two experienced players who'll be missing. Who's going to replace them? So I think she's right. I would say if Ireland have to have a successful campaign, they target the three home games. At the end of the day, whether we qualified for a Rugby World Cup or not, we have a very talented group of players there, whether they're inexperienced or not overall. Um, you know, you just don't become bad players overnight. So I think with what Greg has instilled in them, I would be very, I'd be very optimistic that we can, we can definitely beat Wales on Saturday. I think we'll start off with a win on Saturday. I think it'll be a very tougher Welsh team because they will also have a point to prove that they have fought for pro contracts and retainer contracts and they will not want to disappoint. They will not want to disappoint. They're a very proud nation. Um, they have underperformed in the last while um, and they are going to a World Cup. So I don't see a huge amount of um, difference for now because they haven't had the contracts long enough. We probably see that nearer the World Cup and probably this time next year. Um, but I definitely see, see an Irish win and uh, I'm very excited to see them, to be honest. Because as I said, the other bit with inexperience, Sinead, for me is, is I'm going to describe it as naivety just to have the naivety to just actually have no inhibitions. Are off. Exactly. Go for it. No, yeah, yeah. no inhibitions. And I miss sometimes being that athlete. I, I did miss that. You know, my railway union coach said to me, you know what, you played some of your best rugby in two months because I've had no inhibition and I've tried stuff because there's no consequence. So I think that's going to be a good thing for Ireland. Um, and Greg seems to be backing that up. Keen, could we have an issue later again in the Six Nations with Sevens players being brought to, uh, as Lindsay mentioned earlier, it is a World Cup uh, sevens year. So will we have that issue again towards the back end of the Six Nations? Yeah, we will, Sinead. I think it's the Langford sevens is on towards the end of the Six Nations. So, look, this isn't an issue that's, you know, that Ireland are only going to have. And like you said, Greg, Greg McWilliams did touch on the fact that it is a sevens. It's a sevens World Cup year, but it's so frustrating that a sevens event is scheduled during the Six Nations. Like, you know, there's been so much talk throughout the pandemic, especially about World Rugby aligning the the men's global calendar. But like you look at the women's, like it's just crazy when so many players are playing both sports. And, 
you know, Lindsay touched on the fact that Bayview Parsons is on the bench now. Like I would agree, I'm not sure if she's maybe working her way back from an injury and stuff, but you would hope that she is not being kept on the bench because it's the seventh World Cup year. Like this is a player who you you said, Sinead, like people are going to your DS on Saturday. They want to see the best players. This is a young kid who is genuinely world-class in what she does. And you have someone who you can build, who you, like she's got so much markability as well. Like she's just, she has it all. So I think Irish rugby and the RFU need to be careful to, to ensure that they manage that correctly. Because if you want to attract new players to the game, you've got to see the stars on show now. Obviously she's on the bench and like I said, she could be injured, but it's disappointing even from our point of view going there and not seeing them. So it's frustrating because like I said, Greg McWilliams in the back of his head knows that I think definitely for the, the last game of the Six Nations, possibly for the second last game as well, he's going to be without the likes of Bevin Parsons, Stacey Flood, Amy Lee Murphy-Crow. Uh, there's a few of them there. So you can see the number of them that are in the 23, which I presume he envisages the 23 that are starting this weekend as his first choice 23. So you kind of feel like he's starting with one hand behind his back right, in a way, yeah. but there's not much you can do about that when, when the calendar isn't, isn't aligned. So um, it's frustrating, but you know, Lindsay kind of touched on it there as well, that this might be an experienced group, but the only way you're going to get the experience is played. So if the girls do go off to the sevens, which they will, um, it's going to open the door for, for other players to get a chance. And that's how you ultimately build the strength and depth. So it's disappointing but to have someone like Baby Parsons on the bench, like I said, but uh, there's still enough talent, I think, within that within that squad to get uh, to get people excited. And actually, one of them I'd like to ask Lindsay about, if that's all right. Uh, Linda Jugang has obviously shifted across. I noticed into your to your old jersey. Um, what do you make of that? Her going back to Lucid because obviously we've seen her at Tighthead, and I suppose it's kind of in vogue now with Andrew Porter kind of doing something similar. But what do you make, Lindsay, of her going back to Lucid? I was probably a little bit surprised because Linda's actually, you know, she's been exemplary um, and has been the starting first choice and tie head prop. But uh, funny enough, Katie O'Dwyer is in a tie head and her favourite position and where, where she plays, we play together at Railway. I'm Lou said she's tie head. She's a very smart player. And when your scrum relies on the your tie head to really get you going and get for, uh, go forward ball, um, I think it's a good lineup. I think it might be a good move. It'll give uh, Linda the shackles off to, you know, not that Katie Smart and she is as mobile and she's she's exceptionally ball playing. Like that's a very mobile ball playing front row. And I accept I expect them to move that big Wel- Welsh path from one touch line to another and, you know, really wear them down and get those running lines. So I think I'd be interested to see because it's so technical. It's a, a very diff- different tactic. Like I hate it. I had like I was like I played it once or twice at club. I was like, get me out of here because you feel I felt personally restricted. Uh, whereas you can kind of give a bit more license on the loose set. So hopefully Linda will have that bit more license to do what she does and you know make game line and break defenses. Um, but I see Neve and Katie doing that as well, and um, I'm excited to see that pack. There's very little other than Nicola Friday is 22 caps. I think. The next would be kind of Edel McMahon with kind of 14 and Linda with 14 down. So um, very mobile, very ball playing. Um, and ex- I would have liked to probably see us on an all weather pitch really to for us to really utilize the um, the mobility and skill set of this overall playing group. Because if that pack can do what I hope they'll do, winning scrums, winning line outs, getting gain line and giving that back line, a really exciting back line, that platform. Um, I think it could be a bad day, a tough day for Wales, especially if the weather continues to be as it is. So I would have liked in all weather to really give us that upper hand. 
Uh, but the order, yes, is a lovely pitch. Um, but just to grass will be a little bit slower. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, Linda. I was surprised, but I'm not surprised at the same time. Um, I think Katie's more, she's bet uh, more at ease at tight. And I would see Linda uh, just slotting back in there, Lou said. Okay, so um, hopefully will be uh, dry weather at the RDS this weekend. Lads, just to finish up, Keen, um, prediction for the Wales game and where do you think Ireland will finish in the Six Nations table? Uh, in terms of the Wales game, like Lindsay kind of touched on this. Like, there's a, I, I would say there's a lot of pressure on this Welsh team. I mean, it's so admirable that the WRU have given them contracts, but with that comes pressure and expectations. So I'd imagine internally and even externally that there's a lot of pressure on this Welsh team to deliver. Um, so Ireland could use that. I mean, this Six Nations isn't, you, you can never describe a Six Nations as a free shot, but with so many teams building towards the World Cup, Ireland unfortunately don't have that, but they can try a few things. I think they, they can kind of figure out a few things on the hop, which you might not have gotten the chance if they were preparing for a World Cup later this year. So that's me taking Greg McWilliams' kind of half glass full approach. So yeah, I, I would fancy Ireland this weekend um, to kind of capitalise on the pressure maybe that Wales are seeing. Um, in terms of the, the overall Look, I think I think we'd all agree here that it's a it's a battle for third place, really, isn't it? Because like you look at England and France, and they're just way out on their own. Um, it's it's kind of comparing apples and oranges, really. Unfortunately, that that's just the, the structures that they have in place. But that's ultimately what Ireland need to be aiming for is what what England and France have at the moment. So I don't see any reason why Ireland can't get that third spot. Um, they have three home games, like we've touched on. I would say all three are definitely winnable. And you never know, you're going away to Toulouse next week to take on France and in England later on. You never know, you could you could cause an upset if there's a bit of complacency. So I would say third place is well within the grasp of this team. And if they did get third place, I think that would be a huge success and would really put down solid foundations on which to build going forward. Do you agree, Lindsay? Third place, uh, win all three home games. Yes, I think that's um, a goal that's achievable. I think it would be really successful um, and it's somewhere to start off. That'll be a nice baseline. And then, you know, getting as many test games as you can. And the fact that Ireland aren't in a World Cup will hopefully that we're good, solid opposition might work in our in our favour in the terms of getting extra test matches over the summer and leading into the World Cup against really high-class um, opposition that have qualified for the World Cup. I have to agree with Keane. I said earlier about the naivety and and hopefully the arrogance of of the inexperience that this pack this pack and overall squad will bring, um, and I hope they use that and the license that Greg William has given them and the, I suppose the detail to just go and play and that permission that they just go out. So I think we've had enough drama. I think everyone's tired of the drama. We're tired of the history. We want to start off on the right foot here, and I wish the girls every success. And I um, I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to be an Irish win come Saturday, and I really hope. Everyone make it out to the RDS and really get behind the girls. Absolutely. And looking forward to reading your pieces as well uh, every Saturday during no. the Women's Six Nations. No pressure. <laughs> Leave off the shackles there as well, Lindsay. You know, a oh. bit of freedom there as well. <laughs> looking well, forward to it. <laughs> I said, you know what, Jeanette, we'll come out of our comfort zone if it's not you. It's usually on the pitch, but, you know, um, I'm amongst greatness now on this uh, podcast. So hopefully I won't let anyone, anyone down, but I'm um, absolutely honoured to be. Welcome. Welcome to the dark side, Lindsay. Thank you very much. I know everyone will, everyone will be like, the media, this is you now. No, we're, we're not all that bad. We're not all bad. No, no, I, no. I, have, I have two very nice humans on, the, on this with me now. So uh, no, listen, I'm absolutely privileged. So thank you very much.
Okay, and looking forward to reading your pieces as well, Keen, as always. Okay, Lindsay and Keen, thanks for that. Well, that's it from us on the left wing. Will and Luke will be back for next week's show. Bye for now.